0: You're listening to the AF Playbook Podcast with David Ford, the show that teaches you all about internet marketing. Now, get ready to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, welcome to the AF Playbook Podcast, episode number four. In this episode, I'm talking to Charlie Hohen, who has just written a book called Play It Away, A Workaholic's Cure for Anxiety. Charlie has worked with some really big names in our industry, including Tim Ferriss, Tucker Max, Ramit Sethi, and more. Uh, this was a really cool interview. He has a lot of good ideas about work, uh, especially work-life balance and productivity. So I think you guys will really like it. Here it is. You just came out with uh, a new book, and we're gonna get into that a little bit. But before we do, um, I wanted to get some background on you for people that don't know, um, and just kind of how you got started, what your what your brief story is up to up to this point.
1: Sure. Um, so, what I'm, I guess, most known for um, in the small internet sphere is uh, I was I was a marketing strategist for a number of best-selling authors for a few years. I worked with guys like Tim Ferriss, who did the Four Hour Body, the Four Hour Chef, the Four Hour Work Week. Um, I'm, I've I've worked with guys like Tucker Max, who did I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Ramit Sethi, who did I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And um, I also wrote a book of my own several years ago uh, that that I just put out for free called Recession Proof Graduate. And that just teaches people how to get jobs that they actually want uh, by doing free work for a temporary uh, period of time. And that's how I was able to um, I, I graduated from college in 2008, and I—that was the year the recession kind of hit, and no one was hiring, and no one was responding to my job applications when I got out of college. Uh, and I—I I must have applied to a hundred different companies that I didn't want to work for, <laughs> and and I still got—I I was still getting ignored or t- turned down, and uh, so finally, I kind of just decided I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to people who are working on interesting stuff and doing cool projects and offer to work with them for free just so I can be doing something that is meaningful. Like Even if I'm not going to get paid to do it, I'll still be happy that I did it. And uh, I found that that was kind of the key uh, to being able to do stuff I wanted and actually transitioning into paid roles of doing those jobs and so I was able to figure out like what I wanted to do objectively because I could say like I'm doing this even though I'm not getting paid and I really like it and um, and I found myself getting into these you know really cool roles that were you know roles that I basically made up you can't find them on Craigslist or Monster and uh, a, a bunch of my friends took similar career paths and all of them basically said they did the same thing. And so, um, after I I ended up working as Tim Ferriss's full-time, um, assistant for three years, my title was director of special projects. And so I was handling a bunch of different stuff and, um, I got really burned out at the very end of the three years. Uh, I had just really pushed myself to the limits and, uh, and I, I quit, I took a few months off, um, and just kind of freaked out basically because I was like, Oh God, you know, I was, I think I was 26 at the time. And I was like, I just destroyed my career and I burned a bridge with Tim Ferriss. Like, this is a horrible thing. Um, cause I kind of left him <laughs> right in the middle of the four hour chef and he was, uh, he was really understanding because I went through some really hard stuff, like uh, a f- close friend attempted suicide, a family member died, and I was just really burned out and uh, just emotionally not in a good spot. Yeah. Sorry, I'll wrap up this intro. Yeah, that's okay. This is good. This is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, And uh, so I took a few months off and was just like freaking out and still feeling really super burned out and anxious, like feeling like I just had to get back to work, like I felt miserable. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I got to get back to work. I would stay up real late. I would check email real late and uh, and I would go through the motions of work every day even though I was unemployed. And I was freaking out because it was like, man, I got to be making money. Like I gotta be moving towards success again. Like I gotta basically feed my ego again, okay. and uh, and get back on track. And um, because right now I'm just wasting time. I'm losing money. And uh, so I I joined my friend Chad and Jason, who were starting up a, a an app company, Chad Moretta and Jason Adams. And we we did that for a few months. Uh, we released a product called App Empire that did really well. We sold about $2 million worth of the product in 10 days. And, um, and again, I was just like, at the end of the few months, I was really burned out again, and I left and I quit. And um, anyway, I, I went through this really horrible period where I was really burned out and super anxious and didn't really tell anybody how I felt. And uh, that kind of leads me to, like, why I'm on this show <laughs> is uh, because I wrote a book about that period and how I got better.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So I want to get into the book in a little bit. But before that, I want to back up a second and um, talk about how you how you started working with um, Tim Ferriss and Tucker Max and a few of those guys, because those are some um You know, pretty big names in the industry. How did you, how did you go about that? I mean, did you basically just contact them and say, "Hey, I'm willing to work for free"? Did you have this really good pitch, or was it just your the amount of enthusiasm and effort you put into? I
1: had I had a really great pitch. So they they had a lot of people. They have a lot of people applying for these types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not the only one who's thought of offering these guys help for free. Uh, my, my offers though were really specific and I had a body of work that I could point to to prove that I was legit. So with Ramit, Ramit was the first one that I offered to work for free. He wrote the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to him and I said, um, Ramit, I'm a huge fan of you. Uh, I've been following your stuff for years and it's actually, you've helped me personally with my finances. And, uh, and I said something, some change I'd made based on his help. So I validated his work and it was a sincere thing to say at the beginning of an email, but you have to start a pitch with like validating the other person and saying how great they are. Um, and
0: I didn't do that at the beginning of our interview. Should I have? I need well,
1: to <laughs> David, there's there's plenty of time to still seduce me, so to speak. Okay. So, okay. You know, he, time, we important. can we have uh, we have this whole call to do so. I'll work so, on it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so I uh, so I started with that, and then I said, um, you know, I'd, I noticed you have a uh, a book launching in the near future. Um, I'd love to help with that, but I'd also. Love to help you with your videos because you're really good on video and you don't do it enough. And if what's holding you back is how arduous the editing or uploading process is, I can handle all of that. I'll do it for free for a few weeks. Let me know what you think of my work and uh, and and if you like it, let's let's work on the book together, marketing the book together. And so once once we started doing that. I, I did a really good job. I worked really hard to, to take care of that problem for him and exceed his expectations. Okay. And um, then once I had that under my belt, uh, we, we had a success with his book, his book launch. And then he recommended me to Tim. And I, I took a similar uh, approach with Tucker, who also rec- recommended me to Tim. So Tim would have been harder to just shoot straight for. Um, I had to have two recommendations basically from his friends that he trusted in order to like really get an end with him. Okay. But um, my pitch to him I've made we've made public. It's if you look up 12 lessons learned while marketing the four-hour body, if you just search that on Google, my entire pitch to Tim is in that first part of that post so you can just use it and copy it for your own for your own sake but I think the important thing for pitching anybody and getting into any job like I am 100% convinced anybody can get any job they want if they do a good pitch and they have work to back it up to show how good they are at that thing that they're suggesting Um, they can get into any role they want um it's, it's just most people take the exact opposite approach and they approach a company or an individual and they say, hey, like, I'd love to work with you, like, let's set something up or I'd love for you to hire me. Here's my resume. Uh, what's your starting salary? And now you're already in the mentality of what can I get from this company or this person rather than what can I give? I'm on an equal playing field. I'm a partner what can I give to them that will be valuable? Because if you can start from that place of like, what can I give, even if you're starting off for free, you can eventually transition into a paid role. Um, and I've just seen people do that over and over and over, get these really highly desirable jobs and they create them for themselves by offering free work first. And uh, this is a side note. If you want to uh, just read, like if, if you want to, um, my exact techniques and pitches and everything. Um, I, I wrote recession proof graduate that is available for free. You don't have to do anything you don't have to sign up for anything. It's just Google recession proof graduate. You can get it for free.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And how old were you when you, when you did that?
1: Uh, when I I, th- I started in 2008, so I was 22. Okay. Wow. So you
0: were, you were pretty ambitious with getting your foot in the door with them. and
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it was after months of um, applying for jobs I didn't want. And also, I told my dad, I was like, if I, if I don't make some sort of headway, if I don't land in a role that I actually want, Uh, within the next three months and if I'm not doing work that I really want to do I'll move up to North Dakota and go into the oil industry as a landman which is like $70,000 a year starting salary but it's miserable there's no creativity in it there's no fun you're locked up in a library all day and yeah. So I, I had that fear that that was going to be my life.
0: <laughs> when you got to the point that, that you quit working for for Tim and you just you know real were realizing that you had to do something with your your anxiety. Do you think that was a result of just being burnt out from, you know, just working non-stop um, or did you always have some issue with anxiety over the years I mean you don't know, have to get too personal but
1: sure no I mean the book is super super personal yeah. like I'm, I'm an open book about this stuff now because it's done mm-hmm. and that pain is not there anymore so it's easy for me to talk about easier for me to talk about than like when I was actually going through it so um I like everyone's anxious on some level when it comes to certain situations, and uh, the anxiety is a necessary thing, I think, in order for us to perform, or in order for us to survive in certain situations. The problem is when it becomes debilitating. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I refer to overcoming or curing anxiety, I am referring to the debilitating type of anxiety, where you're living in constant fear and dread, and you can barely breathe, and every moment you are worried that something terrible is about to happen, mm-hmm. and you can occasionally break into panic attacks and worry that you're going crazy or that you're going to die, and you feel like you're on the verge of breaking down at any moment. Like That is anxiety to me. That is a state of living death which ruins your productivity, it ruins your relationships, it ruins your life. Mm-hmm. and a lot of people have that and they on the surface look like they're calm and have it together, but on the inside they're in hell. Right. And so I had never experienced that. And that was, um, I experienced that like several months after, or basically right after I quit the app startup mm-hmm. and I was just on my own. And I, uh, you know, there were some before, The app startup too, but I really experienced it because I was, I had pushed myself to the brink. Secretly, I was, when I was working for Tim on my own, I was always attached to the internet. Uh, We would work independently. Even though we were in San Francisco, we would often, I would work in Knob Hill and he would work in his neighborhood. And um, so I was always drinking coffee. I was, constantly on my computer all day because I liked being good at my job. I liked being indispensable and I liked thinking that I was super busy and and, super important. And so I would always be on and I would stay up really, really late at night and staring at a screen and super late. And then I'd wake up a few hours later and I'd do it all over again. And I just burned myself out, man, and it was such a bad... It, everything I did was just bad habits and I couldn't even recognize it because yeah. in Silicon Valley everyone does this. Yeah. Like Programmers pride themselves in staying up around the clock and sitting in a room indoors all day long in a chair mm-hmm. and staring at a screen and they wonder why like, they feel awful or they wonder why they're awkward socially when they actually have to face people and talk to them face-to-face. The answer is very obvious. Like Every day, they're just interacting with a computer screen for hours and hours, and they're not moving. They're not having fun. They're not doing anything remotely resembling natural human behavior. And all of that stuff accumulates and results in neuroses and really just unhealthy behaviors. It manifests itself in anxiety and depression.
0: You know, that, that seems to be a thing. I mean, obviously it's super common down there, but in a lot of different types of business, you know, and the stuff that, that I do and, you know, the stuff down like with startups, it's just, I don't know. We're sort of conditioned to believe that the really successful people are like on 24 seven and they're just, you know, super yeah. driven and motivated and this and that. But did you find actually that when you, you know, sort of stopped working all the time that you got more productive?
1: No, it was. So the realization I had, I, when I stopped working, I became less productive. I just went through the motions of quote unquote productivity. So I would always just be checking email, but not responding to anything. Or So I was connected, so I felt like I was doing work, but I actually wasn't. And what, what I realized, I, w- I just went through this long period of just producing awful work. I, I spent several months working on another book uh, that just turned out very poorly. And it was because I was just in a horrible state of mind. You know, I was working because I felt guilty. I was, I was doing work because I was like, well, I have to, yeah. you know, this is my, this is my sentence, this mm-hmm. is my slavery, I have to do this, um, and th- the realization I had was when I started playing, when I started viewing the world in my life as a series of opportunities to have fun, mm-hmm. uh, when I viewed the world as a playground and not as a prison, and, when i viewed the people around me as playmates and not <laughs> cellmates so to speak my my life changed uh, i i remember when i was in high school i was m- really playful really carefree was always joking around having fun with my friends and never taking life seriously mm-hmm. like i always had so much confidence back in high school because or at least relatively speaking i had I was I was happy and I was confident in high school because I didn't really care that much about success I didn't care about survival it was it was all a game to me and that's that's how I got in those positions in the first place it was I came from a place of trying to have my own fun playing my own game and somewhere along the way that got lost and it became very serious it became about money uh, Tim offered to double my salary at one point, and all of a sudden, I thought, "This is this is serious. You know, this is serious business." Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I became just very obsessed about uh, money and prestige, mm-hmm. and that's why I I got into apps. It was because it's the fastest growing industry in the history of capitalism, and. Facebook acquired Instagram for a billion, and Zynga acquired uh, Draw Something for 200 million. And Mm -hmm. there was all this excitement around it. But I just realized, like, at the end of the few months, I didn't care about apps at all. So anyway, to get to your original question, when I stopped working, did I find myself more productive? What I found increased my productivity was actually playing with friends outside and moving around. And so like doing an outdoor sport. So the thing that was easiest was just going to the park and throwing an aerobic flying ring around for an hour or so and just running around in the sun and just joking around and moving allowed us to return to our work and feel lighter and happier Mm -hmm. and also more creative. And it actually really worked. It's not like BS. It's... It's like a productivity hack is to take time away from work. And I I would argue the same thing with sleep is if you take time away from working and focus on really getting quality sleep and only work a few hours, you'll be able to produce better quality work than you would if you were working around the clock, just trying to chisel more and more work out of you, uh, which is unsustainable and really unhealthy. It messes your mind up. And I think with play, like I would also go to the park and hit baseballs. I would do home run derby with a friend. Mm-hmm. And just getting up, moving around, and having guilt-free fun with friends. And that's what I realized is like I always felt guilty when I was having fun, when I was in that like workaholic stage. I always felt guilty. I prevented myself from having fun. Yeah. I, in my mind, I was like, you need to get back to work or you messed something up earlier. So I was never like engaged in the present and just realizing I was, I needed to have guilt-free fun in order to get my health back was a huge breakthrough for me. Sure.
0: Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Why do you think it's, it's so difficult? I mean, cause a lot of people probably, you know, we'll read your book and go, Oh, yeah, I should, I should do that. You know, I'd probably feel better if I did that. But, you know, they just, they can't get to the point of actually letting go even just for, you know, an afternoon or a few hours. Why do you think that's so difficult for people? Do you think it's just the way we view business and
1: other successful people? I think there's just this perception. Well, a major problem is all the people online is selling everyone else, here's how to succeed. Mm -hmm. So there's this entire culture of people saying they're living the four hour work week and living the dream and making tons of money and passive income and stuff online. And a few of them are, but the vast majority of them are not. Mm -hmm. I'm sure of it, because I've seen the quality of their products. And it's just, so there's a lot of pressure when you look online and you and you see all these people succeeding, or your perception of it, and you're like, "Man, why not me?" and you don't feel good enough, and you don't know it, it, being an entrepreneur or just succeeding, making it in the real world in terms uh, that you're comfortable with, and other people will encourage you and congratulate you for, it's really hard and like i you no know, if you look at my about page on my blog it's all just highlights it's none of the failures it's none of the embarrassing things that i've gone through it's none of the countless mistakes and stupid decisions i've made it's all just a highlight reel and it's the same with facebook sure. is you get on there and you tell people how all the great things that you've done mm-hmm. or how cool your life is you don't talk about how um, you know, you've been feeling depressed over the last month because a family member of yours has a terminal illness or like it's really serious hard stuff, the, the insecurities and stuff that you have. And I think people w- so desperately want to be accepted in a part of a group. Um, and it's really hard because we're all isolated from each other and, and we don't have that strong connection. And so we work really hard to succeed and and to to attain these goals in the for, in the future that are never quite enough and we we work so hard to reach those stages and uh, and then if we get lucky and we reach them it's still not enough and so i think there's this insatiable thing that we've all had embedded in us that we need to work ourselves to death um in order to to be happy when in reality the message i'm preaching is i almost destroyed myself doing that Mm -hmm. and i could have very easily turned around and written a business book and said well here's how here's (laughs) how to succeed because i've found the formula (laughs) but in reality like i realized the best thing i could do was write a book about how that's bullshit yeah. Like you can have happiness right now and it's quite easy and it's it's something you knew when you were very young and it was to go play mm-hmm. and approach your world and your life as a series of opportunities to have fun and you don't have to feel guilty about it because it's necessary for your health. Yeah,
0: definitely, I agree. I Yeah, I've seen a lot of people that view success as some kind of endpoint. You know, when I make, you know, when I sell my startup, you know, okay, that's when I'm successful, and then I'm finally going to be happy when I do that, but you right. never get to that point, because you get there, and you're like, oh, this is what it is, okay, so I have this, you know, whatever millions of dollars, and now what, you know?
1: So, yeah, and, and the thing is, it's like, the thing that can actually bring you to that point of millions of dollars is starting from that place of, how can I create something that's awesome, that's really fun mm-hmm. for me and my friend? And, and this applies not only to startups, but in literally every industry. How can we make our world better by playing a game that we are creating and make it as fun and cool and great as possible and, and then give it to other people who want that solution or or, or want to be a part of that game? Right. That's how the most powerful brands and the most powerful companies on the planet started, all of them. Mm -hmm. If you look at Disney and Apple and the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and like literally every major company that's had a huge influence on our culture or every individual started from the place of how can I have my own fun Mm -hmm. and make it into a game that I want to play and get better and better at. One thing
0: I I wanted to ask you, talking about the anxiety stuff, do you think that people, I mean, obviously your anxiety, you knew, you know, what it was. It it was, you know, right there in front of your face. But do you think that a lot of people go around with just, not just a low level of anxiety, but they don't actually recognize that's what it is? I mean.
1: Oh, of course, man. I, th- I didn't know what I had for a while. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I just I knew I felt awful. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, a lot of people d- won't diagnose themselves, mm-hmm. and because it's just something they're used to, and it's also weird, it's stigmatized. Yeah, yep. so people don't want to admit that they are going through it, and it's not like their friends are going to call them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if, if they're constantly being rewarded for their behavior, if they're uh, working around the clock and everyone around them is the same way, they'll think it's normal. Yeah. And so, <coughs> excuse me, I, uh, like, I say this in the book, I have a checklist of questions you should ask yourself. To recognize, at least acknowledge, that you might be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm, right. And so some of the questions are, do I feel guilty or anxious if I'm not working? When I'm not working? Uh, have I stopped playing with my friends? Yeah. Do all of my daily activities revolve around building a more successful career? Mm-hmm. So is your life completely out of balance? Are you sleeping fewer than eight hours per night every night? Are you consuming stimulants multiple times per day to hide your exhaustion? Are you staring at screens and sitting in a chair for most of your waking hours? Do You interact with people through screens, like you stay indoors all day long. These are just common things that it, it's normal now, and it's messing everybody's minds up. And it's this—it's this problem that we all feel and know is there, but none of us really that I hadn't come across any legitimate easy solutions uh, or practical ones I mean I every book that I read and every solution I came across was like just practice mindful breathing oh, and, right. and all this stuff and it's like great I can sit around and meditate all day but the fact is is I'm still lonely and my life is still and I'm still constantly being distracted by my phone and all this stuff like Nothing really helped um, until I started playing again.
0: I'm going to ask this question now. This is from somebody else um, just because it kind of ties into what we're talking about. You've been talking about play a lot, and, you know, obviously a lot of us are separated by thousands of miles and whatever, and someone had a question about, you know, they have a lot of remote employees, but they wanted to make the work environment more fun for them. So do you have any suggestions about doing that or incorporating some kind of play with your uh, remote team?
1: Huh? So there's a remote, there's a remote workers that you want to take charge in them having fun.
0: Correct. Or just make the workplace. I think more uh, fun and productive instead of here's your task list.
1: Yeah. Um, Man, that is a great question. I don't know because it's like, I, for me, the thing that I would say is you have to make sure that you're giving them time, very clear times that they work and that they don't work and that you're making sure that they're having their own fun and getting enough sleep mm-hmm. because they're going to burn out those are your assets uh, that you just want to make sure that they're taking care of themselves mm-hmm. because it can hurt your business it's not your I don't think it's your responsibility to make it to play with them if if they're in another country like there's nothing you can do online I mean if you guys really want to like play video games together I would argue that that's not even a form of play that's right. not the kind of play I'm talking about I think you just need to make sure that they're getting away from a screen and spending quality time with people that they actually like doing something outdoors, ideally, but something physically invigorating that's fun for them because that's the kind of stuff that rejuvenates them. That's a f- natural form of exercise that bonds them with their friends and, and makes them feel part of a group and really destroys anxiety in uh and a lot of uh, mental and emotional issues that a lot of people face.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good suggestion. Um some of the you know you go into specifics in your in your book um about suggestions on exactly what to to do, but just generally, how how much do you think you have to, you know, get out of the house and play or have fun and totally leave work aside to you know, be productive because, you know, some people like, I know a lot of people that um, are members of my forum and they are working a full-time job now. And then at home, they are trying to, you know, work on affiliate marketing or online marketing to be able to quit the job. So they're putting in a lot of hours right now and it's going to be hard to convince them like, Hey, you at least have to take this time just to, you know, not get burnt out.
1: Right. I would say, honestly, that time that you spend playing can actually increase your bottom line overall, not only in terms of uh, business and in your monetary bottom line, but also your happiness. Um, I had a guy message me the other day saying he he'd been working around the clock trying to support his family and he had the same realizations that I had when he read my book and so he spent the weekend just playing with his kids and he was like, I'm closer to my, I felt closer to my family and then I returned to my work the following week just feeling better and was able to work from a happier place, a more open place. Like, when you're, when you're constantly working around the clock trying to fight your way to money, you're going at it from a place of fear. You're not viewing it as an opportunity to create something great or to have fun. Everyone throws around the term like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to create some value. <laughs> but it's like if you're coming from a place where you're just trying to pay the bills, you're not going to be very good at creating value. And and in reality, like none of us need to work all day. The time to make enough money to survive, we know that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if you view the time to play as required, I say a minimum of 20 minutes per day, but I think you need more like an hour per day, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you view that as a time to, like in the book, I talk about how I, instead of getting coffee with somebody who wanted to meet up and talk shop, I went to the park with him and we played catch. We ended up hanging out for hours and actually bonding, having a real human interaction rather than just sitting around and trying to impress each other with what we know about business. <laughs> and, and that made us closer and more likely to do stuff in the future rather than just constant networking and all the BS that co- goes with the tech community, I think.
0: I was just curious that since the book has come out, have you had many people that contact you and they have sort of missed the point of the book and they, they go, yeah, the book was great and anxiety and yeah. So, uh, how do you go about getting a job with, you know, Tim Ferriss
1: or (laughs) that? (laughs) Um, not as much, man, because I think I've, in the book, I really show, uh, that that's not the point of, why you do work it's not to get in positions of prestige and that was the what i had to learn the hard way i had to remember work is supposed to be a game you would willingly play Yeah, it's not supposed to be a sentence or something that's just your means of getting money i don't think i i, I will occasionally talk to somebody who's you know, worked a horrible job their whole life. And they say, well, what a luxury for you. You must have grown up in a hugely uh, like a rich family to be able to afford this. And it's like, that's not actually true. I've had to work for, to pay my own bills and stuff. It's just, it's, I'm not stupid with money. And I've, I hang out with people who are good at making it. So I I see that all of them have this in common. Is that they create their own game that they want to play, and they sell, they solve a big problem that a lot of people have, and then they turn around and find those people and sell the solution to them. Making money is not as crazy difficult as people think it is. Uh, It's just it's pretty straightforward. It's just a matter of making something that people want to buy.
0: Have you ever done any um, affiliate marketing?
1: Any. Great. Link. Um. I mean, I'm. I have uh, Amazon affiliate links, yeah. which is like five percent. Uh. I I did one email that was affiliate marketing, and it was for Ramit. Actually, I just I was like helping him figure that stuff out when we were working together, yeah. and I had my own email list, which Ramit had helped me build. And <laughs> excuse me. Um, so I just emailed them out, I, I emailed my people, and I said, "Hey, Ramit's coming out with a course. I'm in it. If you want to check it out, go for it." Yep. And that was about the extent of my affiliate <laughs> stuff. I I think it's just more fun to create your own product. You get a bigger cut. Plus, in reality, like most products online suck, and a lot of affiliates are not promoting them because if you if you define yourself as an affiliate. You're by definition seeking things to sell that you're selling because you're going to get a good commission and you think it's going to make you money. Whereas if you're a creator who has an email list of their own and you happen to come across a great product that you believe in that has an affiliate commission that they're offering, then it's much easier for you to sell it because you know that you're creating your own income that doesn't depend on other people, if that makes sense. It doesn't depend on other creators, necessarily. I mean, there's so few products online, in my opinion, that are like, that offer an affiliate commission and are really great and and easy to sell. Uh, Because most of the stuff I come across, I'm like, ah, I don't believe in that, so it would be really hard for me to recommend this to anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, another person was wondering about your thoughts about uh, info products or just creating your your own product um, what do you think the future of that is what uh, what form do you see it taking I mean is it going to be books or online membership sites um, what is your your thought on that about actually creating products what's gonna be the future of that
1: um I think the uh the stuff that can be distributed digitally, like books and stuff, the prices are gonna keep dropping and dropping and uh the, the stuff that's you really are gonna make most money from is the exclusive private live stuff mm-hmm. and um and and, and the one on one attention, the special stuff. Um yeah, I I don't know. I I'm like I'll just tell you what I'm planning mm-hmm. is I'm gonna do a uh, so i I have the book, which is in paperback, Kindle, and PDF. Uh, so i have I have the book, um, but I also i'm I'm probably gonna do a support group online oh. for uh, for uh, like a six to eight week support group for people who just want to be held accountable to this stuff because, I give people a four-week plan that they can follow, but it's if you're not being held accountable, you might not do it. Right. So um, just for people who want to be held accountable to like get their life back on track. And then um, after that, I might do it one more time. I don't know, but depending on how popular and good it is and how much fun it is for me to run. And then uh, I'll probably do... I'll just make that course into a Udemy course and just sell it in on Udemy, and then I'll just do speaking, speaking for for the book, and just set up speaking gigs. So I'll just charge charge a fee for those, and uh, hopefully it it does okay. And so far, it's it's uh, things are good.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Did you do you enjoy speaking?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love speaking. It's just, it's fun. It's an adrenaline rush. It's, it's really good. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that was about it. I don't want to tie up your whole afternoon, but I really appreciate you coming on here and everybody listening should check out, play it away. A workaholics cure for anxiety by Charlie Hohn, um, on Amazon. And you also have a blog at charliehohen.com. check out and you can get your uh, free book too, recession proof graduate.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, David. This was cool. And then, um, I in terms of re- responding to people's questions, like uh, I'll I'll hop in the forum when this is posted and interact and say hello to everyone. So yeah. Well, thanks for having me, man. This yeah. was fun.
0: Thanks a lot. Yeah, I really appreciate it.
1: Cool. Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the AF Playbook podcast, your source for growing your online business. For show notes and to read the latest blog post, visit us at affplaybookcom blog.